0: Hi, I'm Danny Simon, and I lead the New Life Fellowship Church here at Manipal. I'm so glad that you tuned in with us today to listen to our audio podcast. Do subscribe so that you can tune in every week. You know, I believe that a spoken word can change lives. And my prayer and my hope is that as you listen to today's message, it will change your life as you know it. Enjoy the message. All right, uh, I'm bringing our series to a close this morning. We've been going at you know this whole topic for the last i think uh five weeks now, and we are in week six today okay and anyone for the last time i'm gonna ask you this from about this series Anyone remembers the name of the series <laughs> hashtag# I need a friend okay we are in week six, and I'm promising you today we're ending the series and I don't know what God's going to do with us, you know, next week and the weeks to come. Okay. I'm still praying about that. But uh, we started the series, you know, if you remember, if whoever was there right from the beginning, we started the series right from, you know, the friendship day. How many of you remember friendship day? Do you know even a day like that actually went by? <laughs> okay there was a day that was called friendship day and i remember this very specifically because uh, that sunday morning i forgot that it was friendship day i didn't get to greet all of you all and we started the following week on this entire series okay and um, a couple of things you know that i want us to just look at once one last time okay before we get into what i really want to do today all right is um, i want us to you know look at what we've been looking at you know over these last couple of weeks and um, one of the statements, you know, that we've been based off this entire series is, okay, it's, it's up there on the screen, I think, yeah, okay. Uh, can you put this statement up? The next, next slide, yeah. Your closest friends, your closest friends, the friends that you always hang out with, the friends that is closely associated with you, they are the ones who have the potential to determine the kind of life that you will live. All right. which means again I've said this over the last 5 weeks and today I'm going to just repeat this Okay, if you hang out with the good kind of people if you hang out you know, with the godly kind of people the ones that you know who are very godly who loves to pray, who loves to go to church on Sunday morning if you hang out with those people guess what's going to rub off you that influence is going to rub off you and you would end up you know, growing closer to God you would end up you know, doing good things on the other side you know, the flip side of this statement is also true if, if you are hanging around with the wrong kind of people People that are constantly, you know, dragging you away from the purposes of God, dragging you into, into sin, you know, doing all the wrong kind of things, getting into the wrong books of, you know, the authorities and the teachers. I promise you, if you hang around with them too long, you will also end up doing the wrong kind of things. Your closest friends has the potential to determine the kind of life that you will live. Alright, this is a statement which, you know, this entire series that we've been looking at, okay, uh, these last five weeks, okay, let me just do a quick recap before we uh, want us to look at, you know, what we want to look at today. Last five weeks, you know, we, we looked at in this entire series, we looked at how important it is not to remain alone, okay, we, we are not called to be alone, we are called to be with people. God looked at man when he created Adam and he said, yeah, it's not good that man is alone. That's what we started off with, you know, week one, week two. We looked at, you know, how important it is to have people close into our lives. Why? Because, man, if you try to stand alone, there is a potential that you can be fall into sin. We looked at the life of David. We looked at the life of Peter. You know, how they fell simply because they chose to remain alone. All right. That's the first two weeks. The next two weeks, you know, that we looked at was, we specifically looked at, you know, the kind of friends that we should have. Okay, week three, we looked at very specifically, man, what are the kind of friends that God wants me to have? What are the values, what are the principles, you know, that I should look for when I'm choosing a friend? Why? Because, you know, Proverbs says this, the righteous are intentional. They are very careful, they're very cautious about the friends that they choose. Alright, and week four, we looked at very specifically unfriend, which we saw, you know, the kind of friends that we should not have. Okay, if they're in your close friend circle, it's important that, man, if they're there, You need to unfriend them, okay? And uh, today we are in week six, okay? Week six, can you go back to the title slide? Today, you know, I've titled today's message, the last message as becoming a great friend. All right? Uh, All these weeks, you know, if, if you looked at, you know, the focus has always been on the people around you. All these weeks, okay, we've looked at the people that, you know, we should not hang out with. We've looked at the people that we should hang out with. We have looked at the whole idea that, man, okay, I should not be alone. But, you know, today I want to do something different, you know, for the last message of the series. I want to, you know, turn the camera onto ourselves. Is that okay? All right, because we've been looking at the other kind of people. Okay, man, I don't think they should be my friend. I mean, it's easy to look at somebody else and say that, okay, you know what? I don't want them to be my friend. But hey, what about you? What about me? I wonder, you know, at any point, have we looked at ourselves and said that, you know, man, do I have it what it's in me to become a great friend to somebody else? All right. And, um, you know, a couple of years back, I remember this very vividly. Okay, because uh, there was this girl, you know, who was a part of our church in Mangalore and she finished a course and she came to me because her parents were looking for a marriage proposal for her. All right, so she comes up, you know, all the way and she says, um, you know, pastor, I mean, okay, I I wasn't a pastor then. Okay, so Danny, you know, um, I've been, you know, praying about, you know, the kind of life partner that I should have. Okay, And, and she takes out this huge sheet of paper okay, she takes out this huge sheet of paper and then, you know, she's got these you know, I I mean, they call it the list anyone heard of the list? Okay, you know the kind of qualities that, you know, your potential life partner should have, I don't know if any one of you has that, okay and I'm not against list, okay, I'll be honest, I'm not against list, have one, that's okay, so she takes out her list and she reads out values you know, okay, the guy should not drink, okay he should be honest, he should have a good character good all of those, you know, character values and then she's got the physical aspect, he should be tall, he should be dark and he should not be bald. No, no, no. He should have a plate full of hair. I said, okay, fine. That's all right. Okay. And, and, and she goes on with her list and I silently, I'm just listening to everything that she's saying. And towards the end of the list, you know, she looks at me and says, what do you think? You know, and then she adds another question. She says, what do you, who, who, what do you think I should be praying about my marriage? And then, you know, I look at her and I said, well, that's a great list." I mean, you've got to appreciate them. I mean, she's taken the time to list out, you know, those qualities that she's looking for in someone, all right? And, and I tell her this, this very thing, you know, that's a great list. It's amazing. You know, you have all those things. You you already know, you know, the kind of person that you want to get married to. And then she asked me, whoa, 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 but, but I told her, you know, this is what I think I would do if I was in your place. I would take that list and I would throw it away. And then she looks at me shocked and she's like, is this something wrong? I said, there's nothing wrong with your list. It's, it's perfect. It's, it's beautiful. But a list like that is not what I'm going to be holding on to. And then she, she looks at me and she says, why? What, what do you have to say? I told her, listen, it's good that you have a list and it's good that you have all these qualities that you want to look for, you know, in the person that you want to get, spend the rest of your life with. I get that. But here's the thing. Here's the catch. What if the guy that you want to get married to also has a list? And maybe he qualifies for you, but hey, what if he has a list and you don't qualify for him? And then she, she was like completely, you know, taken aback because I don't know if, you know, she's ever heard something like this before or anything. And then she said, well, what do you think I should pray for? I said, here's what you, I think you should be praying for. I don't think you should be praying for your partner. I don't think you should be doing that. If you should pray for anyone, I think you should pray for yourself. Because here's what I've seen about marriage and here's what I know about marriage, man. It's not about, you know, how great your partner is. It's not about how great, you know, that person is, how not great that person is. It's about whether you're willing to cope up or you're willing to adjust with the flaws and the deficits and all the shortcomings that that other person has. And that's what marriage is really all about. And trust me, if you're not able to adjust with his shortcoming, if you're not able to adjust with what he's going through, no matter how many great qualities he has and no matter how many great qualities you have, you will never be able to live. And what I want to do today, church, is here's a question that I want us to ask ourselves when it comes to our friendships. Hey, do you have what it takes to become a great friend to the people that God is going to bring alongside you? And that's a question that you need to ask yourself. Do you have what it takes to become a great friend? Do you have the qualities? Do you have, you know, what it takes to become a great friend that God is sending people to you to be a part of your life of? That's a big question to now, I don't know about you, you know, but when when I was preparing and I wrote that question down, okay, I looked at myself. I'm not looking at any of you. I'm looking at myself. I said, man, I don't think if you know I have everything what it takes, you know, to 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 you know become a great friend to somebody. I don't think I have it. All right. What about you? What, what do you think? Do you do? You, come on, church. Let's have a poll here, okay? Any one of you think that man you have what it takes to become a great friend? Come on. Okay, none of you are raising up your hands, okay? And, and, and you know, when I began to reflect on my own life, I begin to realize, hey, I'm messed up. And we did. We, I asked this question to all of you last week. How many of you guys think that you're messed up? You're completely messed up. Come on, anybody. Yeah, that, that's, that's great, okay? It's, it's good to be honest at church, okay? Guess what? We are all messed up, okay? We have flaws. We have shortcomings. We have, you know, what things that, man, we don't like about ourselves, then how is it even possible that man I can become a great friend to somebody else but this morning you know if if you're carrying that thought and you know here's what I want us to look at because here's what scripture encourages us to do scripture encourages us to role model after whom come on I can't hear his name I can't hear his name come on you can be louder than that Jesus we just worshipped him this morning didn't we I will follow whom I will follow Jesus. We have a role model from whom we can look up to and to whom we can learn. And do you know, I don't know if you know about this. Did you know that Jesus was a man who was rejected by everyone? He was not the most popular person in his time. He was not the most cool person in his time. He was a person who was rejected. In fact, you know, prophet Isaiah, you know, here's what he writes about Jesus. He says, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2 to 4, here's what he says. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. I want you to think about the fact. I mean, this morning, you know, all of us, you know, we were all out, you know, worshiping the Lord, praising the Lord, all that is good. But here's the question that I want to ask you you know, if Jesus were to walk into this place this morning, you know what it says here? There would be nothing about him that would attract us to him. Look at that scripture. I didn't make that up. Look at that scripture. There would be nothing that would attract. In fact, you know, look at the next verse that it says there. Verse 3. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. Look at this. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. If Jesus were to walk into this place this morning, I promise you, you know what we would do? Oh, we just look at him and we would turn away. Because there's nothing beautiful about Jesus. The way that he was looking. There is nothing attractive about him. That you know, we would just turn our backs away. He was despised and we did not care. Look at what says. He he was despised and we did not care. Verse 4. Yet, it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. If Jesus were to be in our midst this morning according to scripture there would be nothing that would be attractive about him nothing and yet when you study history when you look back you know at the times of the all the great people that has ever lived you know this earth would you find a single man who was so perfect that he had no flaws and no deficits or no shortcomings Jesus was a perfect man. I don't think there was any other man who was as perfect or, you know, close to who Jesus Christ was. They say Jesus was a man without sin. But yet, he was rejected. So here's the thought that I want to leave with us this morning. If Jesus being so perfect that he was, there was no flaw about him, there was no shortcomings about him. How was it that crowds and crowds of people were drawn to him? There was nothing attractive about Jesus, but yet people thronged to be with him. Yet people were drawn to him. What was it about Jesus that set him apart? That even though he was not attractive, even though you know he was despised, he was looked down upon, people would turn their backs. What was it about Jesus that would draw people to him? And here's the question. And he, look, 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 look at what Matthew says. You know, Matthew chapter 11, verse 19. Here's what it says: The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look. A glutton and a wine winebibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. How was he able to become a friend to the tax collectors and sinners? What was it about Jesus that he was able to be a friend to others? Here's a question. Is it possible if Jesus could be a friend to other people? Even though there was nothing attractive about him. Even though, you know, people turned their backs on him, people rejected him. Is it possible that even I can be like Jesus and be a friend to other people? And I believe it can. Okay. So let me just give this up front. Okay. There were so many things, you know, that I listed down and I decided that, you know, as I was praying, I realized, okay, there's so many things I can bring about. But I decided to just bring out three things, which I believe is very key, very important to our generation in today's present age. Is that Okay. So I've got just three points, okay? How do you become a great friend to someone? Here's point number one. Be present. Be present. So you might be thinking, okay, what what does that mean? Okay. Uh, The first, okay, let let me just say this, okay? This is probably the most important point that I can bring about today. This is. Alright? Especially in a generation like ours. In fact, I'm going to put up a statement up, you know, which, which I want each of us to be able to boldly declare. Is that okay? Okay, so so I'm going to put that, can you put that statement up? No, go back, go back. Why are we on See, go back. Okay. Can you read that? Can we all read that together? Okay, here we go. I will develop my friendships face to face and not just forefinger to forefinger. You might be thinking four finger to four finger. I'll tell you what four finger, four finger is. This is what it is. Does that look familiar? Maybe, maybe you're not a four-finger guy. Maybe you're the thumbs guy, you know. I mean, I don't know how, how good which finger works for you, okay? But here's what I want us to declare this morning. I want you to declare this over yourself because here, I want you to understand this. I will develop my friendships face to face and not. Finger to finger, and isn't it true? I want you to think about this. Isn't it true that today that's what our friendships look like? Isn't it true? I mean, man, we, we don't want to be present. Man, Why would I want to go there all the way? I mean, I can just text, I can just be online, I can just, you know. I mean, and here's the thing you know, people don't even call, people just love to text. Texting is easy. I mean, why, why would I want to strain? But I'm telling you, church, listen. When 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 you when you think about your friendship, if there's something that I want to so clearly emphasize, if you want to be a great friend to somebody, it's important that you be physically present with that person. I want you to think about Jesus for a moment. When Jesus came to his disciples, when he was talking to his disciples, you know what Jesus did not do? Jesus did not take a book and he gave it to his disciples and says, You know what, guys, go 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 study that book. I want you to memorize all those verses and all those scriptures and that, then, then you come and then I will be your friend. Did he say that? Come on, church. Did he say that? I'm not minimizing the importance of studying scriptures. It's important to study scriptures. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said, just follow me. What was Jesus trying to do? Jesus was trying to say, listen, it's not about studying a book. It's not about this. Let's do life together. So Jesus went everywhere with his friends. He went everywhere with the disciples. I mean, man, they had boat trips together. You remember boat trip? Okay, was, they had some amazing adventures on that boat. Man, Jesus, they saw some, one guy was able to walk on the water. And I mean, you, you know the stories, right? They had breakfast together. We saw one last week. They had a lot of time that they spent together. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was being physically present with his friends. Again, this is a scripture which we all know. I want to put that up, okay? Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 to 20. Here's what Jesus says. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by whom? By my Father in heaven. Jesus is speaking this and Jesus is promising. Listen, if you agree, if you two, two of you, just two of you, if you come together, you agree on earth anything concerning, you know, that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Why? Because look at verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. What happens? What does Jesus promise? Jesus says, I'm there with you. I'm there in the midst of them. And most of us, you know, we know the scriptures. We quote the scriptures in prayer. I get that. But I wonder how many of us would, you know, take the pain to be with somebody physically. Physically. In an online generation today where, man, it's so convenient that you can just do an online video call or you can just do an online text. I mean, it's okay to be online. I'm not being against online. But I wonder how many of us would inconvenience ourselves to be with somebody else and say, you know what? I can choose to be online with you. I can choose to text you. But I would rather be physically present with you. Can I tell you this, church? Here's something that I want us to remember, okay? There is power in presence. There is power in presence. When you're physically present in a place, there is a whole lot of difference that happens. And in fact, let, let me put it this way: Okay, the best way for you and me as a believer to impart the Father's love to somebody, because that's what I believe we, all of us are called to do. We have, we've been given the Father's love. God loves us, and our duty, our responsibility, is to share that Father's love with someone else. Isn't that true? The best way to do that is just to be physically present with someone. You know what, what's sad? I don't know if you ever noticed this, okay? If you ever been to a restaurant where you've seen a family, a family of four, maybe, you know, the husband, wife, and two grown-up children. And I don't know if you ever seen the scene, okay, where, you know, they all of them, they have their phones and they're all glued to their phones on the restaurant table. Have you ever seen that scene? I mean, that's so sad. I mean, there's somebody right in front of you and you don't want to talk to them and you want to go on to your mobile phones and do that. You know, there's a rule in our house. Okay, every time, you know, we have lunch together, you know what the rule in our house is? There's no phones on our dining table. I made it a strict mandate. Man, if there's there's no phones, you're not going to bring your phones. And even if your phones are there, you're going to place it flat down. You're not going to look at your phone when you're on the dining table. That's the rule in our house. Why? Because it's important to understand that, man, there's somebody physically present in front of you. And why wouldn't you engage, you know, in conversation or, you know, just, you know, engage with that person who's sitting right in front of you. Things got worse, you know, I think when COVID hit, because COVID forced us to be online. COVID forced us to go online. COVID forced us to, you know, say that, man, you can't meet physically, you know, in a church building. Okay, so you just meet physically on Zoom or YouTube. I mean, YouTube became so popular. They made a lot of money. I'm just saying okay but here's you know and I believe you know when the Hebrew writer he puts up I believe prophetically he was speaking you know into our generation look at what Hebrews writer says Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 to 25 let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works I want to just stop right there I want you to ask yourself this question when was the last time you got together with your friends and said you know what let's do something for Jesus Jesus That's what it says, you know, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And I wonder, have you ever got with your group of friends and say, you know what? Hey guys, we're together, we spend a lot of time together, we do a lot of things. But today, let's do something for Jesus. And you know what's the next verse it says? Let us not neglect our meeting together. As some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. How many of you believe that Jesus coming back is very close by? Jesus coming soon. And here's what he's saying prophetically. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Some people are in the habit of, some versions it says that. Some people are in the habit of neglecting meeting up together. And he's saying, you know, don't neglect that. You know why I believe, you know, when I was meditating on this? Because I believe, you know, man, if you stop meeting up together as believers, Jesus' promise will not come to effect, will it? Think about it. Jesus said, man, if two or three of you are gathered together, and imagine you neglect meeting up together, and imagine you say that, man, I can just text a person, I can just, you know, this video call the person. Jesus' promise is not going to come to effect. And I wonder how many of us would actually take that time to say that, man, I want to be physically present. And I'm telling you, church, there's something about being physically present together that sets everything else secondary. There is power in presence. There is power in presence. You know, I, I remember when I was in my you know, college days, and uh, I think I've shared this, you know, sometimes... I I was staying, you know, with my college friends in an apartment, all right, we were in the hostel, we moved out of the hostel, we were staying in an apartment, and um, I remember one evening, you know, I just started going to church, and I was just, you know, learning the ways of becoming a believer and all of those things, and I remember one evening, I felt really sick, I had like high fever, and I was in the bed, I couldn't get out of bed, okay, and I remember this, um, you know, my my roommates, you know, they, they were like, okay, we're going to get you know dinner do you want anything and I said you know it's fine there's some stuff in the house I'll manage don't get any dinner for me and they they went off and just maybe 10 minutes later you know I get a you know there's a ring on my door I mean there's a the, the doorbell rings okay the doorbell rings and I open the door you know a couple of my church friends along with our youth leader he walks into our apartment into my apartment And I was like shocked because all I did, and back then, you know, we just had SMS. We didn't have WhatsApp and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. So I just SMS him. I said, just pray for me, you know, because I'm not well. And he picked up, you know, a few of the guys and few of them just came over to my apartment. All right. And they had this bag of food. Okay. They had this bag of food and they said, you know what? We were going to have dinner, but then we thought you may not have dinner. So we bought dinner. We thought we'll just have dinner together. Like okay, wow, okay. And and then they opened up you know the bag and we had dinner together, we we laughed, I was feeling a lot better. Okay, and I remember this very distinctly. Before they were about to leave, they said, Danny, we we want to pray with you. Okay. And I said, Yeah, that's fine. Okay, but but here's here's a statement that he made. He said, We want to pray with you. And you know, Later, and of course, we we got together, you know, we held hands and they prayed over me, you know, that I would be better and all that. And I remember they left and I remember thinking, you know, just that day, you know what, they didn't have to do this. Coming all the way, being with me, you know, they didn't have to do all of that. They could have just been there, you know, and prayed for me. Can you see the difference? There's something about, you know, that whole trip that they did that day. They came all the way, you know, they were willing to spend time and they were willing, you know, to take that time out and, you know, spend some money, you know, to buy me some food and all of those things. But here's the thing that made a big difference, which I still believe is so powerful today. They were willing to pray with me and not just for me. And I'm not trying to minimize. I'm not saying that, man, there's something problem, you know, if you just pray for somebody. No, you should pray for somebody, but it's more powerful if you can pray with that person. And church, here's what I want to leave with you, you know, in this point, man, when you know there's somebody who's hurting, when you know there's somebody in pain, when you know there's somebody who's sick, listen, it's, it's, it's okay to text the person and say that, you know what, I want to pray for you. That's okay, I'm not saying that, but listen, would you take the effort to say that, you know what, where are you at? If you're in the hospital, man, I want to come and meet you in the hospital. If, you, if you're, not, you're not feeling good, can we just go out together, can we just spend some physical time together? Where, you know, you just talk and I would just want to be listening. You know what's one of the commonest things that I've heard from young people? You know, whenever I tell them, listen, I think you need to call them or just go be with them. You know what they say? But pastor, we wouldn't know what to say. Man, if we are with them and they're going through this trouble and they're going through this pain, I don't know if I would know what to say. And I'm telling you, church, if you're with them at that time, you don't have to say anything. I promise you that if they're hurting if they are in pain all you have to do is will you be willing to be just be present in that place with them a few weeks ago you know one of one of the girls who was a part of our church you know and she, now she's married she's in kini i mean she's in bangalore right now she was she's staying in kinigoli i don't know if you have, any of you heard of the place kinigoli okay yeah. Kinigoli is like maybe around 45, 50 kilometers from this place, in from Manipal. All right. And uh, she, she, you know, a few months ago, she told us that, you know, her mom was not keeping well. And we took the trouble. We went all the way to meet her mom who was in Kinigoli. We met her when she was, you know, still sick. And just, I think, three, maybe two or three weeks ago, her mom passed away. All right. Her mom passed away. And, and I remember, you know, um... Because it was 45, 50 kilometers away and most of you know, you know, man, that was the time when Ethan had just got discharged from the hospital. Jeremy was still not well. So we weren't sure whether we could actually go and see her, you know, for this funeral time. And I remember, you know, me and Anuchet, we were sitting together and we were just discussing this whole fact. And I remember, you know, she, she, she was saying, no, I think you should go. Maybe I may not be able to come. Okay, the whole thing is on YouTube. I'll watch it. But I think you should go. And I remember, you know, this funeral and it was 40-45 kilometers away. So I said, you know what, I'll take the car. I'll go and then from there I'll go over to my clinic which is in Mangalore. I'll do that, that's okay. And I remember going all the way to Kinigoli for the funeral. I mean, they come from a non-believer background. So all the family, all the relatives, all the neighbors, everyone are non-believers. These two, she and her husband are the only two believers in that home. And I remember going there, and the husband and she, you know, with the two kids just seated right in front of, you know, her mom's body. And they're seated there, and I go see the body, and then I come out, and I'm just standing outside. I'm just standing outside. Okay. And just as I went out, two minutes into that, her husband, you know, comes out, and then we start talking, and I remember the first statement that he said, thank you for coming. And... It was not a formal thank you for coming. I I hope you understand what I'm saying. They really meant it because they had nobody else, you know, that they could share their sorrow as believers. He goes in after 15, 20 minutes of us talking and then another five minutes he sends her out and she comes out and she, you know, says the same thing, you know, just thank you for coming. And then she breaks out into a story about memories about her mom and all that they went through. And guess what I was doing? I was just standing there and listening. I didn't have to say a word. I didn't have to say a word. And I remember, you know, she just kept saying, you know, thank you for coming. Thank you. I mean, just relax. It's okay. I'm, I'm just here for you. That's all. Church, I'm telling you, listen. If there's nothing that you get, listen, I want you to understand. There is power in presence. If you want to be a great friend to somebody, listen, would you be willing to inconvenience yourself to be there physically present with that person? It makes a lot of difference, you know, when they look at the way that they look at you. So, point number one, how do you be a great friend to somebody? You be present. Here's point number two, you be considerate. You ready for this? Okay, you might be thinking, Pastor, what do you mean by considerate? I'm glad you asked. Okay, I want you to look at that word considerate. Okay. Can you if you were to break up that word into two words, how would you break that up? Come on, look at look at the word. How would you break that word up? Can you break it up into two words? What's the first word that comes out? Huh? Yeah. What's the first word? Consider. Can you see that? Considerate. Split it up. First word that comes out, at least that stood out for me was consider. And the second word is eight. I mean, forget the eight part. I don't want to make you hungry this morning. (laughs) But I want you to think about this whole idea. Would you be willing to consider the other person over yourself? What does it mean to be considerate to somebody? Would you be willing to consider yourself over the other person? Would you be willing to do that? You know, Paul writes in the book of Philippians, chapter two, verse four, here's what he says. You know, Paul says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, But for what? But also for the interests of others. You know what, church? I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you ever realized this. But do you know that we live in a very, very selfish centered generation? Because we're only thinking about... We're only thinking about ourselves. We rarely do we take the time to say that, Man, what would they want? Or what would they need? We think about our needs and we think about, you know, what we want and what we are not getting. And we complain about all and we gripe and we complain about everything that we are not getting. and We are not able to sustain. Very rarely do we think about the other person. Listen, if you want to be a great friend to somebody, it's important that you consider the other person. Now, can I give you a secret? You ready? Okay. If you don't get anything from today's message, I want you to take this back for the rest of your life. You ready? Okay? The secret of making great friends. You want that secret? Hello? Do you want the secret of making great friends in your life? I promise you, man, if you were willing to take this statement and imbibe it or devour it and make sure that this becomes your life statement, I promise you that you will make so many good friends in your entire life. You ready? The secret of making great friends is to be interested and not interesting. That's it. As simple as that. You want to have great friends in your life? Listen. The key is not to be interesting. But you know what? The world's got it the other way around. They try to be more interesting. Isn't that true? Think about it. Isn't it true that many times, you know, man, when when you are into trying to gain a friend, what do you do? You try to impress that person, don't you? You go all out. Okay, you dress cool, you look cool, man, you act cool, you, you, you try to be somebody that you're not ultimately. Why? Because you're trying to impress the other person. Here's the thing, you're trying to be interesting so that the other person might look at you and say, oh, that, that guy looks cool, oh, that guy looks... And you might talk about topics that you don't even know. Anyone been there, done that? You talk about topics that you don't even know. Why? Because you're just trying to connect and just trying to impress the other person so that there is a possibility that they might become your friend. And I'm telling you, church, the world has got it wrong. If you want friends in your life, the key is not to look interesting or to be interesting. The key is to be interested in the other person. Look to their interest and not just to your own interest. That's what Paul writes there. You've got to be interested genuinely in the other person. Okay? Uh, let me tell you a story of, you know, one, of my, one of our college mates okay, back when I was still in college. <laughs> I remember, you know, the guy had this long, sad look on his face. I, do you have batchmates like that? Who, they got a long, sad look on their face. I mean, every time they just look sad, okay? I remember one time I sat down with this guy and, you know, we were engaging in conversation and he said, you know what, there's something that happened in my life. And I said, oh, what happened? And he said, you know, I was into this car racing. Okay, they've got tracks in Bangalore for that. I mean, I've never been to one, but I'm assuming there is, okay? He was into car racing. And he said, man, I got once, you know, one time I got into this like really bad accident. Alright. The entire gearbox just came ramming into my stomach and I required surgery, you know, after that. And I was like, whoa, you know, man, that's like that's that's very that would have been very painful. He said, Oh man, I just lost consciousness. And he just goes on, you know, talking about that entire story. And and here's the thing: a few days later, I was talking to one, another one of my friends. Alright? And and somehow, you know, the topic of this guy came up, and I said, Man, sad, right? You know what happened to him. He had to go through surgery and all of that. And then he looks at me with this, you know, kind of the smirk. He looks at me and he says, Oh, you, you're talking about the gearbox story? I'm like, Yeah, what about the gearbox story? And you know, I mean, I knew there was something that was wrong. And, and he says, Okay, where did he tell you the gearbox went in? I told him, he told me it went into his stomach. Okay, you know what? He told me it went into his left rib, that his rib is damaged now. He told me the stomach. He's like, wait, wait, wait. And there was this girl who was sitting right next to us. And he calls her up and he said, where did he tell you the gearbox went into? And and, 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 you know, she says, he said it went straight into his heart. What was he trying to do? Come on, church. What was he trying to do? He was just trying to impress. He's trying to look cool. And of course, you know, when the story got, I don't know, maybe he got his gearbox position wrong. I don't know what happened, okay, in that story. But I'm just saying, ultimately, you know, till the college got over, he didn't have very much close friends. Why? Because nobody could trust him. Listen, it's important, church. I want you to understand this. It's important, man. You can look cool. You can look great. You can talk about these great stories and great feats and great achievements that you have done. And, man, look at me. I can do. I'm telling you, listen, that's not going to connect with anybody. You want to have great friends, just take some time to be interested about the other person. When you go to meet somebody, I'm telling you, listen, the most important thing that you can do when you meet somebody for the first time is not just talk about yourself. Let the other person talk. And I promise you, you will make more friends in just two months, more than in the entire two years of your life. I promise you that. Listen, the key to making great friends is to be interested and not interesting. You know, Paul writes this in the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 15. Here's what he says. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Can I say that again? Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. What, what is? You know, look at what Paul does not write there. Okay, He does not say rejoice for those who rejoice and weep for those who weep. He doesn't say for, does he? What does he say? With. The preposition that he uses there is with. I mean... Sorry, I use preposition. I know some, not everyone of you likes English. I get that. okay? But I'm just saying, you know, listen. He's saying, listen, it's important. You don't just rejoice for them that they're happy and they're rejoicing. Oh, you should rejoice for them that they rejoice. No, 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 no. He's saying, listen, if they rejoicing, you got to learn to rejoice with them. And if they're weeping, just don't know, oh, man, oh, so sad. You don't just, you know, weep for them. But he's saying, listen, learn to weep with them. There's a difference. There's a whole lot of difference in that, and in fact, you know what? I mean, psychologists will tell you. You know what this verse is This is called empathy, right here. Have you heard that word empathy? Okay, the psychologists are yeah, like, yeah, we know that word. Okay, I, we've got two psychologists here. Okay, one's my wife. <laughs> okay, that's empathy, right there. And can I tell you, you know, I mean, you've heard of the word sympathy and empathy. You know, for years I used to get this wrong. Okay, I used to get this mixed up. Okay, sympathy, empathy. What's the difference? I mean, it's it's not the same. Uh, Let me tell you what sympathy and empathy difference is. Just in a nutshell, okay? Psychology 101. You ready? (laughs) Okay. Sympathy is saying, I see your hurt. I see it. You know what empathy says? I can feel your hurt. That's what the difference is. Sympathy is saying, oh... I see where you are. Sorry that you had to go through it. That's sympathy. But empathy is saying, oh man, I can feel what you're feeling. I can, I can really feel that. Okay. You want to go, to go up one notch? You want to go up to the next level? You know what the next level is? There's another level? Yes, there is. There is. That's why you know you should study scripture, man. It's amazing. Beautiful if you study scripture. Jesus took it up one notch. He didn't just sympathize with the people. He didn't just empathize with the people. You know what he did? The word used for Jesus is that he had compassion. You remember that word? When he saw the crowds of people, he was moved with compassion. Sympathy says, I hurt with you. I mean, sympathy says, I see your hurt. Empathy says, I hurt with you. You know what compassion is? Compassion is saying, I see your hurt. And I want to do something about the hurt that you're going through so that you don't have to go through it again. And that's what Jesus did, church. And I want us to understand what Jesus did. Jesus saw the hurt. He saw the pain. And he didn't just empathize and say, I feel it. Yes, he did. I'm not trying to minimize the fact that he did not feel. He felt it. But he said, listen, I'm not going to leave it there. I'm going to take it up one more level. And I want to have compassion on you. Which means I'm going to do something about the pain and the hurt that you're going through. Which means even if I have to die on a cross for those things, I will do that. Why? Because I love you so Church, here's the thing. Here's the key. Listen. Are you ready to become a great friend? Listen, you've got to be able to consider the needs of somebody else. You've got to stop looking at yourself and say, Oh, poor pity me party. Have you ever had a poor pity me party? Oh, me. Look at me. I'm here. I'm there. Have you ever had that? Listen, it's time to stop looking at ourselves because in time to follow, you know what Jesus did. Jesus said, listen, I'm going to look at somebody else. He's trained his disciples. Look at what the other people are going through. And that's why Paul, years later, you know, he writes the same thing, you know, in the gospels that he's writing to the church. Be considerate about the other person. And, you know, this, 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 you know, it took me a long time to really understand this principle. It did. Okay. And I remember, you know, there was this boy, he was, he was doing his Mtech,, you know, his master's in NITK, Surat Kal, right? And uh, he came from a very broken home. His parents were divorced. His dad was a pastor. All right, and i remember you know one sunday after the service uh he's you know I, I told him why don't you come home and he came home and you know we had lunch together and i think he was there you know from like maybe uh 1 1 30 in the afternoon he sat all the way till 9 nine fifteen at night he didn't leave okay. okay he sat the whole sunday in my house and the only reason he left by 9 nine fifteen was because the last bus to NITK Suratkal from Mangalore was at around 9:15. That's the only reason he left. Otherwise, I don't think he would have left. And all through the hours, and you might be thinking, Pastor, what did you do for all these hours? I just sat and I listened like I've never listened before. And he started his story, you know, like after lunch. And he said about, you know, all the pains and the hurts that he was carrying with his dad. And his dad is still a pastor and he still don't understand, you know, how that's possible. And, you know, his mother and dad don't talk to each other. And they are at, you know, feuds with each other. And he went on about the brokenness that he experienced, you know, as a young person. And we just waited and he cried through the process. Guess what? I cried through the process because, man, it was so moving, you know, what he had been through. I couldn't hold myself back from crying. And man, we just we just wept together, we smiled together. I mean, we, we, we the whole, you know, that few hours, I mean, I still call it few hours, few hours that we spent together, he just poured out his story, poured out his story so much. And he said, Pastor, I've never shared this with anybody my entire life. And I remember sitting and listening to his story. And I, you know, of course, in between, I would say, I think, you know, you need to forgive your dad. He said, no, I can't do that. He's a pastor. He preaches about forgiveness. He doesn't forgive my mom and my mom doesn't forgive. Why would I want to forgive both of them? He kept attending the church over, of course, a few period of time. You know, he was able to, he was able to, let me put it that way, he was able to forgive his dad. He reconciled with his dad over the years. Okay. And I remember a few years back, he went back, you know, he's he's from... um, He's from that Vijaywada, you know, that area, Andhra side. Okay, so he went back to his hometown and he ended up being a leader in that church. Okay. And a few years down the line, you know, he calls me up one day and he said, you know what, uh, Danny, I want you and Pastor Matthew, you know, the pastor of our Mangalore English church. I, I want both of you. I've invited only both of you for my wedding and I want you to be there for that. And I said, wow, great. You know, I'm, you're getting married. And he said, listen, I booked your flight tickets and pastor's flight tickets. And I booked your hotel room and pastor's hotel room. And I want you to come. Don't don't miss. And I was shocked. I told him, listen, you book pastor's tickets. That's okay. But don't, don't book mine. I, I can do that myself. Okay. I can do that myself. Don't, don't have to book my tickets. And he said, and I remember, you know, we went, like, went to and fro about arguing that whole thing. About, you know, fact that he's booking. And finally, you know, he made the statement. Danny, please don't. Please don't. You need to understand. When I was back in Mangalore. And who I am today, if there is any reason why I am here today and who I am today, it is because God has used you to play a large role in my life. And this, what I'm doing here, is not even, you know, words or not even enough to, you know, to um, express my appreciation, you know, for what you have done for me. And I'll be honest, I started crying on the phone. I couldn't control myself. Because I was all that, you know, what God had done in this boy's life. And where did it all come from? From willing to, you know, spend some time with someone, listening to what they had been through, and hearing out, you know, what the pains and the hurts that they had been through. And being considerate about them. Listen, church, I'm telling you, listen. If you want to be a great friend to somebody, you've got to be willing to be present with them. You've got to be willing to be considerate about their needs. And here's the last one. Okay. (laughs) You ready for this? Yeah. Put it up, put it up. Be real. As simple as that. Okay, be be present, be considerate about their needs. Be real. Let me put it in a way that you understand. Stop wearing a mask. I'm not talking about the COVID mask. (laughs) Wear that, that's okay. Stop putting on a mask. Stop pretending like you're someone when you're really not that person. Be real. Be real. Okay? I don't know if you realize this. Okay? Did you know that there's a new phobia in the world today? A new phobia? (laughs) When I read this, I was like stunned. Okay? There's a new phobia in today's world. You know what that phobia is? The phobia is literally people are scared to talk to each other on the phone. They don't want to talk to each other on the phone. Do you know why? I mean, you know what the reason why they stayed for that is because when they feel that, man, if you're talking to somebody directly word by word, they don't have a control of how that conversation is going to go. So you know what they prefer to do? You remember this? They prefer to do that. They prefer to just text someone. Why? Because, man, if there are words that is not right, and if you feel that the conversation is not going in the right way, Delete, delete. I mean, WhatsApp has given that option. Delete for everyone. <laughs> so that's great, you know. Praise the Lord. Thank you, God, for giving that option on the WhatsApp. Now I don't have to, you know, say the wrong things at the wrong time and make that fear person feel bad. There is a control that you have over that conversation now. And people are, you know, here's the thing that I want us to understand. People are not being real. People can manipulate, you know, the conversation in whatever direction that they want. Why? So that they end up looking the way that they want the other people To see them. You know, most of us, you know, here's the word that I would like to use. Most of us are using Instagram filters. You know what Instagram filters are? You know the filters that they have on that Instagram? Forget Instagram. When you use your camera app, most of the camera apps have filters today. Isn't that true? And we like to use filters. Why? Because we like to look better than we actually are. (laughs) And that's the problem. James, the brother of Jesus, he says this in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16. Here's what he says Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You know what this verse is really saying? Be real. If you have shortcomings, if you have done stuff that's wrong, be willing, you know, not just take it to God. I mean, do that, okay? Take it to God, you know, ask God for forgiveness, that's fine. But also take it to somebody else where you're completely real and honest about who you are. And you're not trying to pretend, you know, to put on a mask that pretend to be someone else. You, don't, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be doing this so that, man, you would be healed. I want you to imagine this, okay? Imagine you've done something wrong alright, you've done something wrong and you decide that, man, I want to go to a trusted believer friend and I want to share you know, what has happened in my life about you know, my life to that person and imagine the two of you sit together and it says here that you know it would be, you would be healed you would be healed of that pain you would be healed of that hurt if you're willing to open up about the stuff that's happened in your life to somebody what would happen to you who would you become Here's a thought. You know, many people love to use filters because they don't like the real version of themselves. I want you to think about that. Isn't it true that many times, you know, man, there is this thing, you know, that's what we spoke about, you know, in the beginning of today's message. Man, there there are times, you know, when you look down upon yourself. You feel like, man, if they see the real version of me, they may not like me they may never want to be my friend so you know it's important i put on and i try to look cool and i try to look interesting i try to do all of those things let me let me let me give you something you know what jesus said okay jesus said this okay love your neighbor as yourself matthew chapter 22 verse 39 have you if you remember the scripture i want you to look at that as an equation mathematical equation you ready It says, love your neighbor as yourself. The first part of that equation is not going to work if the second part of that equation is not true. Can you see this? I can't love my neighbor. I can't love somebody else. Guess what? I can't be considerate about somebody else if I'm not willing to look at myself and accept myself for who God has created me to be and love myself the way that God has created me to be. It's not easy. Because we look at ourselves and we say that, man, I've got all these flaws and I've got all these problems and I'm like this and I'm like that. Might be true. But will you be willing to look at yourself and say that, man, God is the one who's created me this way. My personality is like this. This is who I am. Man, would you be willing to accept yourself that way or would you keep constantly comparing yourself to the people around you and say, man, they're better than me. They're better than me. They're better than me. When would you stop comparing yourself to someone else and say that, man, this is who God created me to be and I need to be accepting and, you know, be, be okay with whom God has created me to be. And many times that's not something that we're willing to do. You know, let me, let me say this, okay. Do, do, I don't know if you know people, okay, maybe, maybe they're in your family, maybe they're in your relatives, maybe they're in your friend circle or even in college. Do you have people, you know, who constantly goes around hurting everyone else around them? Anytime they say something, they'll, 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 they're very, very quick to create fights and they're very quick to, you know, do all of those things. Have you seen people like that? If you're around them, it's like, man, I've got to be careful around them because I don't know what's going to come out of them. Do you know why people are like that? Because here's the thing, if I'm going to constantly look down upon myself, if I'm constantly going to say that, man, I don't, I don't like the way I am, I don't like the way I look, I don't like the way, you know, I've been created. Guess what's happening on the inside of me? I'm hurting. I'm already hurting. Because I just cannot accept who I am. You know what I'm going to do? When I see you and you seem to be happy, you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to pick on you. Why? Because I'm not feeling good about myself. Hey, why should you? I'm going to make sure that you don't feel good about yourself. So I'm going to pick on you. I'm going to argue with you. I'm going to put you down. By why? Because here's, here's the principle that I want us to look at. Okay. Okay, hurt people. Hurt people. No, I didn't. I didn't make a mistake. That's how it is. Hurt people. Hurt. people. If you're already hurting on the inside about who you are and how you are, I promise you, you know, when you see these kind of people, you can be one thing that's sure. You know what they're really doing? They're revealing the hurt that they already carry. If they're hurting everybody that you know, if they're, you know, constantly picking fights with every other single person, the reason they do that is because they don't feel good about themselves and they're hurting on the inside. And they want to make sure when they see somebody who's happy, they want to make sure that they tear that down. And can I tell you something that will not work with them? Lecturing at them and screaming at them is not going to work. They need massive doses of love. That's what they need. You have to be willing to show them some love. See, here's what I want us to just close with. Okay, You have to be comfortable with you. You have to be. God's created you this way. God's created you for who you are. And you don't have to, you know, emulate somebody else. You don't have to imitate somebody else. You don't have to, you know, try to pretend to be someone that you're not. If God's created you this way, there is a reason and a purpose behind why God has created you to be this way. Paul writes this, you know, to the church at Corinth. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 is what he says. Okay, this is the message version. We refuse to wear masks and play games. And I think that's a declaration that we need to make of ourselves. You know, we refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. We don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display so that those who want can see and judge themselves in the presence of God. You know what Paul is saying? Listen, I'm not wearing a mask. You can see right through me. I'm being completely transparent in front of you. I have flaws, I have shortcomings, I don't care. This is who I am. And you can judge me in the presence of God. That's okay. You can judge me in the presence of God. This is who I am. I have nothing to hide from anybody. And I wonder if we could come into the same place that Paul is and say that, man, you can see right through me. I've not put on a mask, I've not covered up anything. This is plainly who I am. You can see right through I wonder how many of us are willing to come into that perfect place. Like I said, you know, the reason why we find this difficult is because, man, we have not been able to accept ourselves. We have not been able to accept ourselves. We have been focusing more on our flaws and our shortcomings more than whom God has actually created us to be. And we need to stop doing I want to show you a picture, maybe you've seen this picture before, Okay, can you put up the next picture? You know who this guy is? Some of you know. Yeah, say. Nick Vujicic. Doesn't he look good? At least this one? Have you ever seen him? Anyone have not seen him before? Okay. Doesn't he look good on the suit picture? He looks good, right? Is there something missing? No, it's not Photoshop, it's real. <laughs> Come on, what's missing? What doesn't he have? He doesn't have his arms. He doesn't have his legs. Here he's having fun. Swimming. You should read his life story. It's amazing. Amazing testimony. He has thought of suicide. He said, you know, many times he's questioned God and asked God, God, why have you created me this way? And I wonder how many of us, you know, when we struggle with our image issues and we struggle with, you know, body shaming and we struggle with, you know, anxiety and panic disorders and depression and all of these things, and I wonder how many of us have looked at ourselves and said, Thank you, God, for the way that you have created me to be. Because this man ultimately recognized, you know, one thing I'm unique, I'm set apart if God has created me this way there's a purpose behind why he's created me this way he was willing to embrace who he was despite the flaws, despite all the shortcomings that he had and he embraced the purpose for what God has created him to be there's a scripture, okay can you go back to that scripture Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 for we are God's masterpiece. Can you put that picture up again? Do you think this is God's masterpiece? You know, the problem with us, you know, when we define what a masterpiece is, we think masterpiece means perfect. It's not. You know what masterpiece means? Masterpiece means you're unique. You're one of a kind. You're not like everybody else. And that's a truth that we need to learn to accept in our hearts. I wanted to, you know, lift up my third son. Most of you know, man, he doesn't have sensation below his knees. And many times I promise you, you know, we've asked God this question. God, why did you create him this way? It was not, you know, till I embraced, you know, Ephesians chapter 4. Where it says, man, God has created you, him uniquely. God has created him. He is, guess what? God's masterpiece. He's God's masterpiece. The problem with us, I'm telling you again and again, church, the problem with us is we have so attuned ourselves, you know, to look at the flaws and look at the shortcomings and look at all of the things that's not right. And we say that, man, that's not perfect. This is not perfect. Listen, can I tell you something? Maybe, what if maybe, if God created you that way is because he has a unique purpose of which only you can fulfill and nobody else in this world. Would you be willing accept whom God has created you to be. Because you and me, we are God's masterpiece. To become a great friend, it's important to be present. It's important to be considerate. It's important to be real, open and honest about who you really are in the presence of God, in the presence of your friends. And I promise you, if you were able to just emulate these three principles, you will have a lot of friends in your life. That really spoke to me and I pray that it spoke to you as well. I want you to remember this. It doesn't matter what you're going through and where you're at. Our Heavenly Father is always with you. I want to say this, if you need prayer or you want to reach out to us, send us an email or dm us on instagram you know let us know if we can serve you in any way just a reminder don't forget to subscribe so that you can tune in with us again and i'm really hoping to see you next week